Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Good Theology Podcast. Once again, my name is Josh. I'm uh, this podcast's producer. I'm joined by Jake Sweetman and David Campbell. Yes. And today we're heading back into our series with the different I am statements of Jesus. Yep. We've got um, a long scripture-ish that yeah, we're going to be talking about. 11 verses. 11 verses. Super lengthy. <laughs> but we're going to cover two I am statements yes. in these 11 verses. So we're in John chapter 10. And uh, I'll pick it up with verse one. Jesus says, very truly, I'm reading from the NIV. I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, verse seven, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Awesome. And we'll end up with you. Great. So right there, we see two I am statements. Yep. I'm One the that's kind of unusual. I'm the gate. Yes. You're a gate. Jesus, what are you trying to say? Uh, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. So let's start over with I am the gate. What what does that mean when Jesus says I am the gate? Yeah, when I read that statement, um, the thing that it, it speaks most clearly about is that he's the way in. Uh-huh. He's the entrance. I think that I am the gate is uh, at least similar to his other I am statement. I am, I am the, the way, way. Yeah. the truth, and the life. Um, and particularly he's saying that he's the gate into, he's the entrance into a particular kind of thing, which he calls here, uh, life and life to the full or maybe abundant life. Yeah. Someone else's translation, um, has. And so Jesus is making a claim to be the exclusive entrance because he says that there are other people right. who try to lead sheep. There are thieves and robbers and strangers. Yeah. Um, but that ends in destruction. But Jesus is the exclusive entrance into life, whereas there's all these other options that end in death. Um, And so that is like the most obvious meaning of what's going on there. Um, And there's some other like potential connections, I think to some Old Testament. Right. Let's let's hand it over to David and see uh, what he has to say. Uh, I'm the gate. What does Jesus mean? Well, the background, I think, to this chapter, uh, or Jesus at the beginning of chapter 10 talks about the shepherd leading the sheep. Um, It's almost certainly to be found in Ezekiel. And Ezekiel uh, talks about the wicked shepherds who clothed themselves and neglected the flock. And then Ezekiel goes on, chapter 34, uh, and says the Lord is going to rescue his flock and place the true servant or a true shepherd over them whom he identifies with his servant, David. It's obviously someone from the line of David. And then the Lord is going to uh, bring life to his people in an everlasting covenant. And, uh, and so 
you know, the people that Jesus is talking to don't quite get what he's saying. So he has to give a further explanation. And then he launches into this description of himself as the gate. Uh, it's all connected with the idea of shepherding, of being the good shepherd, uh, because the gate is that which um, protects the sheep. Uh, it, it, it keeps out, you know, the people that it's in the Old Testament, the condemnation of the shepherds was they were the people who were supposed to guard the gate and look after the sheep, the leaders of Israel, the spiritual leaders of Israel. And instead of that, they fleece the sheep, so to speak, and, and harm them. And so Jesus says, no, I'm a gate. I'm going to protect the sheep and make sure that they have life um, and life abundantly, he says here. So he's the source of life. And, uh, and then he segues into the first picture uh, that he gives in the chapter, which is the, the shepherd, and he expands on that. So the gate and the, the I am the gate and I am the shepherd are both, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. Um, the shepherd is focused on who Jesus is. The gate focuses on what Jesus does. And I think the primary, the primary reference is protection. Uh, I'm going to, to keep the robbers out. And it's a picture of the church. And those of us who are shepherds of the church, our job is to keep the robbers and thieves out of the church. And that can be a full-time job. You know, that Satan continually, Satan, Satan, uh, Satan sends people into the church. If you're a pastor listening to this, Satan has sent people into your church. And when we fall into the trap, when we fall into the trap of wanting to get the maximum number of people possible and we get a little less discerning, a friend of mine used to say we need to make it hard to get in and easy to get out. But we make it easy to get in and then hard to get out. We try to keep people and placate them. And I came to the realization, it took me a long time, but I came to the realization that some of the people sitting in my church, the devil had sent them. And I'm not saying they were demon-possessed or even that they were aware um, of what they were doing, but they were people who, who weren't right with God and who did nothing but create trouble. And so um, a discerning shepherd guards the gate and keeps people out who are thieves and robbers. And, uh, you know, you look at, so, sometimes uh, it's not just uh, people, random people that come into the church and create trouble, but the leaders turn out to be the ones that are creating trouble. And, uh, and people get hurt and badly hurt because you go back to the situation Jesus was, or Ezekiel was condemning, where it was the shepherds that were responsible for inflicting the harm. And uh, so we really have to be vigilant as shepherds of the flock. And our job is to extend the kingdom, but our job is also to protect the sheep, to protect the church of God, because if the church gets destroyed, the kingdom's not going to get expanded.
Wow. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because that was one of the um, one of the other connections that um, I was drawing here from this idea of being the gate goes uh, back to the Garden of Eden, especially when you're talking about both the expansion of the kingdom and the protection of the kingdom or the protection of the people in the kingdom. Um, and Adam and Eve's commission from God to work and keep or to grow and guard um, both of which they fail to do. So even in the original sense, that's obviously more of like a priestly kingly role that they have there in, in the garden of Eden. It's not so much shepherding, but the same behavior is expected of them to both expand and to guard. Um, and that seems to be, uh, God's same MO for the church today. There's an expansion piece and there's also a, a guarding right. piece, um, a protecting piece. And as you were talking, it made me think of Acts chapter 20, where Paul says to the, uh, uh, the elders in Ephesus, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know, this is Paul, I know that after I leave, savage wolves oh. will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So there's this same element here in Paul's warning, like, hey, protect the, pro protect the flock, protect the flock. Yeah. Um, and that, that attack can come from without, and that attack can also come from within. Yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm really intrigued. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. Well, I was just going to say that's a really good point you made, Jake, about the garden, because part of the job that Adam and Eve, who are pictured as priests, because their their job to work and to keep the garden, the keep part of it was to keep evil out. The same right. two Hebrew verbs are used with regard to the priests in the temple and the tabernacle. They're to, to work, that's to do the service of, but they're to keep evil out. They're, they're to guard so that, you know, uh, only those who are supposed to come in can come in. And obviously Adam and Eve failed in their commission. They allowed the serpent in. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, the whole picture of the gate, I think, goes back to that, which makes sense because Jesus is the restoration of everything that was lost in the garden. Right. So when he says, I'm the gatekeeper, he's saying, um, I'm, go, I'm recreating the garden in a preliminary way. The garden is recreated in the church and yes. ultimately the garden is fulfilled in the new Jerusalem. But mm -hmm. Jesus has come to guard the gate so that the presence of evil does not come in to his church. Um, and he does that through the shepherds that he's appointed. Yeah. So how, how does... I think that's a really, really, really good point. Cool, sick, David Campbell. Of how how does um well, how, how does a good shepherd protect? What? Well, let me let me let me just say something else before I'm done. Picking up on something else you said, which yeah, was yeah, the right. attack within and without. And on my study of the Book of Revelation, it became apparent to me that the persecution that comes against the church from the outside is is although it's obviously a problem, it's. The, it's far less dangerous than that which arises from the inside. Right. 
It's what comes from the inside that has destroyed so many churches, movements, denominations, liberalism, uh, denial of the authority of scripture, uh, and so on, that come in and they corrupt the church from the inside and they ruin it. When the church is pure and on good foundations, even if it's attacked, even if people are killed, ultimately, um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, as the early church father Tertullian said 1,800-odd years ago. The church grows. It expands. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's tons of you know, uh, places historically that we can verify that. And even in places now like China, where there's a great deal of persecution, I am sure that when that ends, that we're going to see what God has done, you know, in the midst of it. But it's when the evil gets into the garden, that's what wrecked the whole thing in the first place. And it's also what wrecks our churches. And and that's just so I'm glad you you made that point as well, Jake, because it's really critically important for us to understand that. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is that this was part of Adam and Eve's role was the guarding piece, which means that part of God's original design for them. I think I'm going to do a whole sermon series on this next year. Part of God's original design for Adam was the overcoming of evil, which is a fascinating thought because oftentimes we think of our need to overcome evil as a result of the fall, Mm. but they were going to have to overcome evil in fact, let me say it this way. Overcoming evil was part of uh, avoiding the fall. It was the, it was succeeding in that endeavor that, um, as, as far as I know, it was succeeding in that endeavor amongst other things, carrying out the, the commission that God had for them in every way. After that is what would come the escalated eating of the tree of life, right. entering into, you know, um, elevated blessing. If you are a pastor and you are you're hesitant to overcome evil, you're hesitant um, to confront the serpent. I just want to remind us that 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 is part of the call. That is part of God's call for us uh, as guards. Is we were always meant to overcome the evil one. Right. We failed to do it. Jesus succeeded to do it, and now in Him, because we are that Mike that. Uh, initial establishment, yeah. that, in, that inauguration of the renewed Eden in the earth through the church, part of our role is, is in doing exactly what God intended from the beginning, which is overcoming the evil one. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm really intrigued by just this perspective because when I read, you know, Jesus, like I'm the gate, first thing that comes to mind is, is um, in Matthew 7, narrow is the gate that leads to life, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And initially, I think of it as okay, narrow is the gate because there's a high standard where we're called to be holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, you can only truly enter through Jesus. Mm-hmm. But this discussion right now is revolving not just around how to enter, but also what is being kept out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's really interesting because if we look at even churches, that our main purpose isn't just to, hey, this is the way, mm-hmm. go this way, but also to keep out the evil from coming in mm-hmm. because as, as it says there, anybody who comes in in another way, mm-hmm. meaning not through Jesus mm-hmm. is, is a thief. Yeah. They're in the fold, but 
yeah, they're not a sheep. To David's point, one of the ways that that happens is through guarding doctrine. Right. Um, so David was talking about liberalism. Uh, so not allowing unbiblical doctrine to come right. into the church, I think is certainly a way that savage wolves make their way yeah. false teachers. Let's expand on that. Let's focus on my question. How are we able to practically protect the sheep within the church right. from all the evil that's out there? Yeah, David, I'd love for you to speak to that first and foremost. You have so many decades of experience. Well, you know, I learned like everybody else does through trial and error, uh, which sure. means I made mistakes. Um, I think I was naive. And I think a lot of pastors are naive. And pastors, for the most part, are really good uh, people. You know, they're n they're not nasty people. They're not politicians. They're I mean, I don't I don't mean to take a slam of politics. I mean, they're not you know politically political in the wrong sense. They're not schemers or whatever. Pastors are right. sincere people. Mo most all of them could have made more money and had an easier life doing something else. Um, but they can be naive because. Part of it is, you know, we want to see the best in people. We, we, if you can't see potential in people, then you shouldn't be leading a church. Um, you don't want to look suspiciously at people all the time. Exactly. But yeah. if we're not careful, we can be undiscerning. And uh, like I said, it's not just that random people come in and come out. It's that the devil sends people in to create right. trouble. And... Uh, after a while, you become a little wiser. You get the warning signals. You know, you start phone asking, well, where did you come from? And you find out, like one couple, we had the, been at 18 churches or something. And you, you know, you thought, okay, well, wait a minute. There's a problem here. You know, 18 churches all can't be wrong. I wonder and, what the common denominator is. Oh, gosh. Of all 18 churches. <laughs> you, start, you start phoning other pastors up. And, and finding out, you know, what, what's the scoop here? And, you know, you're just careful. And you, you watch what people are saying and you watch the, their doctrine and uh, what they're bringing in. And you watch people that, you know, they want to have their own little church within a church. They want to start their own group and they, 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 they bring their pet topic, you know, in. And um, everybody's got to focus on that particular topic or that particular area of ministry or something. And it, and it could be legitimate things. You know, it could be, let's say, deliverance ministry or something like that, which is definitely biblical. But people get a hold of something and they feel they know more about it than anybody else does. And uh, then that puts them, sets them up in a place of, you know, spiritual superiority and the only thing that really counts in the church is the one thing that they consider themselves specialists about. So they're trying to say everywhere they go, well, we just go to deliverance ministries, the answer to everything. And then it gets out of balance. So, you know, it's, it's a hard job. But and I also think it's why you need a corporate, strong corporate leadership. So you've got people that are really mature. You've got couples that are really mature and... You know, if if if, um, uh, if if I don't see it, maybe one of the other leaders does pick it up, and we're yeah. watching. So it sounds so like we're supposed to be paranoid. We're not supposed to be paranoid, but we are supposed to be wise, because Jesus yeah. warns us. And the Apostle Paul in that scripture in Acts twenty, I remember 
decades ago, a pastor who was a very, very godly man was just facing shipwreck within his own congregation from people. And I said, I went to him with that very scripture in Acts 20, and I said, you know, uh, Jim, uh, Paul said, out of the midst will come the sheep and the wolves, not from the outside, but from within inside. You've got, sorry, not sheep and wolves, the wolves will arise. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm jet lagged in England, so I'm not quite coherent. <laughs> anyways, um, you know, and I said, you've got a wolf in your own congregation. And he was such a nice man, such a godly man. He was just shocked at the thought of that. Um, and I was too young to really know what I was talking about, but I could see that much. So, you know, we yeah. just have to be wise. Yeah. Yeah. Pastors have to walk the tension of empowering people to do ministry. Right. Um, but also at the same time, watching over that ministry. Yeah. And making sure that it remains in line with scripture, number one. Um, but then also making sure that it supports the culture and the vision of the house. Right. Uh, and comes into alignment with the, 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 uh, shepherds of the, of the church, uh, yeah. most especially the, the lead pastor. So, um, yeah, it's not just making sure correct doctrine is being taught, but also just how to manage people within, within a church is, is so crucial. There's some people skills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, involved for sure. Um, but I, I do think doctrine is, uh, a fundamental thing. And if I were to go back to something that David said, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but it was like, we make it so easy to get in and hard to, to, to get out. out. Yeah. Instead of the other way around. Of hard to get in versus, uh, and, and easy to, to get out. And I do think there's something to that. Like a, a lot of a church's, um, systems for like, uh, onboarding people into the church yeah. or, or, um, uh, creating space for them to join the church or get involved yeah. uh, is quite a low barrier to, right. to entry. The ratio of effort that is being put into bringing people in versus nurturing the people that are inside. Well, it's like the way in there's not necessarily like you can join a church these days and, and not even have clarity about what the church believes. Right. Uh, yeah. Or not have a, you know, a, a moment or a space where we're aligned on what we believe. Right. Um, and we've even been guilty of that in, in the past. It's the whole like belong before you believe. Yeah. Um, thing as was really popular. I have a question that might take us in a different direction, sure. but what are your thoughts? And also you, David, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this on church membership. I know that in years past that that was a much bigger thing. I remember growing up that it's like, you know, you sign something and like, it, it, it's a whole thing mm -hmm. um, that I don't see as often now. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear your thoughts because in that way, you're able to properly teach people what it is that the church believes. Everybody's on the same page. It's a clear understanding of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm bought in yeah. to what this is. Yeah. I think however a church does it, there needs to be that fundamental thing. Right. Um, and so I can only speak for us here at our church, but right now we're even working on like, what do we want everyone to know yeah. if they're going to belong to our church? Right. And not just know, but agree with uh -huh. um, so that we genuinely have alignment. I don't have any, you can't build if you're out of alignment with one another. Right. And it's like David was saying, like you can go that model of like super open wide door, please everybody come yeah. so that you can have a really large crowd and you keep things kind of murky as to what you believe. 
but that's destined to fall from the beginning. Yeah. I, I think you're going to have a much greater result in the long run. You're all aligned. Yeah, exactly. You're aligned. We know what we're, what we're all about and what we're after. And um, there's less surprises. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's <laughs> I, a downfall. I, I hate surprises <laughs> right. in leadership. Like I want to make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're all heading in the same direction. That's a downfall of that thinking of belong before you believe. I think there's a lot of downfalls to that thing. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think it's uh, biblical. Um, right. I, I understand the sentiment of it, that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Yes, right. we get that. Uh, but I don't think that you can equate that with, oh, I belong to the church of Jesus yeah. um, uh, just because he's merciful. Right. To me. The adoption doesn't come in, like your adoption to the family of Christ. It's not coming in until you've done Believe. repentance and yes, believing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's exactly right. David, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I think, I think that um, some way or another, if you're a small church, then the pastor can go like I did for years visiting. Uh, if somebody oh, yeah. showed up for about three Sundays, I'd be in their home, and I'm explaining right. uh, the values of the church to them one by one by one. Uh, if you have more people coming in, you run a – you, you can call it commitment course, you know, foundations course, membership course, whatever you want. But in it, you present these, the values of our church. And uh, I think that if you run your church on a, I mean, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. It's ruled by God. It's, you know, God always appoints people to represent him. It isn't that the people appoint people to represent them to God. And right. so in the Western world, so often you get democratically elected leaders and you run into all sorts of trouble. So you don't want to be authoritarian either, but really the leadership is God appointed. And mm -hmm. so if you're starting a church, then, you know, you start it with a defined, this is the leadership group. This is how we define it. And yep. So people are welcome to attend Sunday services, but number one, they're informed these are the values of the church, and number two, they're informed these are the leaders of the church. And, um, you know, we can't ask that. We're not reaching into the inward places of everything that you ever believe about everything and telling you you've got to believe exactly the way we do. We're not doing that. But we're saying if you want to be a functioning part of this church, uh, then uh, you have to be able to agree with the values that are here. And uh, if you define things when people come in uh, and if your leadership is has, has um, holding the levers of government, so to speak, in the church. In other words, you don't have any democratic elections for anything. When you have a widespread membership and the right to vote, then all you need is a bunch of people that, you know, go out there and solicit support for their rebellion and you can destroy a church. Uh, but that's not how God's church is meant to operate. So I always said to people, you know, they got a bit antsy and didn't like something. You know, it was people would come in from other churches to ours, and they always were democratic churches where people elected boards and that sort of thing. And you were on for two years and then off and whatnot. And it was, you know, 
that's how it operated. And so when people had a problem, uh, they would simply say, well, if we can raise enough cane here, that um, David will have to change his opinion. And in the right. end, I go to people and say, you know, um, I'm not leaving. Nobody hired me and nobody's going to fire me. But you're welcome. You, you know, we're sorry to lose you. But if, if you don't agree, then it, I'm not changing. And the direction of this church isn't changing. And I remember one man came to me and said, if you would only not be so stubborn, you'd have the biggest church in this county. And hmm. But I, you know, I'm not going to give up my values. So I think that's part of the role of leadership. It's you yeah. risk being and sometimes are unpopular. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the gatekeeping function to go back to the, the theme that we're talking about. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you, David. Um I think it all it all centers on belief as well, which serves as somewhat of a gate. Um, Nathan Finocchio said something um, really profound about that in in terms of how we deal with different beliefs, especially in the church, where he says, in the essentials, pursue clarity, mm -hmm. the non-essentials, um, liberty, mm -hmm. and everything else, charity. Mm -hmm. So I think even then, like as we're talking about hey, do we all know or believe in the same thing? Are we all aligned? I, it's not that you have to agree with everything you know, I have to say, if, 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 if you know, you were the one who's pastoring other people, it's, it's not that it's, it's, there's, there's essentials that, that you all have to be on the same page on. Yep. And that serves as a gate um, for people to enter. And while we're already in this topic of ministry, and we're talking about shepherds and pastors, I think it'll be good to shift to that part of um, the scripture, where shepherds, uh, we, we could stay in that, you know, field of ministry and how, how is it, that pastors who are called to be shepherds of the flock, how are we able to emulate the example of Jesus? How, how are we able to follow his command to shepherd his flock? Yeah, well, I think Jesus makes it really clear how he does it. He says he lays down his life for the sheep. That's the, the same uh, call that is given to shepherds in the church today. Right. Um, that That is not to be equated with just being a pushover. Jesus yeah. wasn't a pushover. Um, but it is to be equated with living a self-sacrificial life, right. exactly how Jesus demonstrated demonstrated it. Sometimes the way the shepherd sacrifices themselves for the, the safety and the betterment of the sheep is by confronting uh, that which threatens. The yeah. sheep. Um, in fact, the immediate context, as far as I can tell, in John 10, when Jesus is talking about laying down his life for the sheep, he goes on to then talking about how hired hands run right. when the wolves come, mm -hmm. but the good shepherd doesn't run when the right. wolf comes. The good shepherd confronts. There you go. Um, and that can be like a very, so uh, it can be a, a really uh, insecure position to be in. No, for sure. Times for sure. Vulnerable. Very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but shepherds have to do it. Uh, like I said before, this is part of God's design. Yes. Um, is to guard against and uh, evil, and so um, shepherds got to do it. It's part of living a self-sacrificial right. lifestyle, um, and ultimately, I think God honors it. Yes, I really do, and that, that's certainly been our experience. Every pastor can relate to the fact that you walk through times when you've got to deal with difficult things in your church, but if you do it in a godly way, God right. honors that. It's not that you don't walk through some hardships sometimes. Yeah, but in the end, God God honors it. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with David. I think that authority is established by God. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think having democratically elected leaders in, in the church is the way to go. I certainly don't see a, a uh, model of that in five precedent for that. No. no. Um, and I, I think there needs to be accountability, yeah. leadership teams. I love what David was saying in terms of uh, having multiple perspectives on what's going on in the church. I think is really helpful yeah. because one or two people can't see everything. Um, and so all of those things come into play for, for certain. Right. In the end, God establishes the authority. Yes. And I think we are all, I've been teaching on this in, in our own church recently. We are all, we receive authority by coming under it. Mm, um, yes. And so there is actually safety and submission. I think submission is a superpower yeah. that is like a, a an avoided topic for a lot of people today right. because we live in such an independent society. Yes. But in our submission is actually our strength. Um, that was the inside of the centurion is that the power and the authority of Jesus yep. came because he recognized he was submitted to a higher authority, the father, which was his own experience in the actual as a, a soldier in the army. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm rambling. No, no, that's great. I'm trying and to connect a bunch of dots yes, floating around yeah. my head. And even the, what you said about being under authority, um, the Bible speaks about being ambassadors of Christ. You're not an ambassador to anything if you're not submitted to the authority of which you represent. Yeah, great. So it, it goes back to that. And so, David, I'd love for you to speak on that. Shepherding is not just um, caring for the sheep, because I, I think that's one part that we've, we've really stressed. We've talked about as a, um, as church by church, I mean, big C church, capital C, oh, church. Capital C yeah. church. And rightly, yeah. rightly so. Yeah. Like to go back to um, uh, Ezekiel 34, 36, uh, that's talking about the wicked shepherds yes. of Israel. The reason they were wicked was, yes, they didn't guard against evil, yeah. um, but they also oppressed the sheep. Right, and, yeah. Um, they didn't care for them adequately. Yes. So that, that is emphasized rightly. Yes. And I think what we're pursuing here right now in this conversation is balance. You know, the, well, it's both. It's both, yeah. yes. Uh, rod and staff, they, they, they serve a purpose in, mm. in, in being a shepherd. So... David, can you speak on that specifically in the context of, you know, the church today? Well, I'm, I'll just throw in the little phrase I, I like is you can only exercise as much authority as you're submitted to. Wow. And, uh, wow. Uh, I love the way. It's, it is the Matthew 8, the classic model. We don't have time. To, maybe we should do another. We, we could do another podcast just on that. It's absolutely fascinating, the dynamic right. of what happens with that centurion in Matthew 8. But, um, you know, and it works, that works various ways. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just members of the church, but it goes from the shepherds as well. Because, you know, you can have a pastor, for instance, who is running around demanding everybody submit to him. But who's he submitting to? There you know, is. nobody. And yes. uh, so it, it's a principle that applies to each of us. You can mm -hmm. only exercise as much authority as you're submitted to. And that is um, not just, well, I'm submitted to God, but how does that play out in your actual human relationships? But the shepherd, you asked me about the shepherd. I mean, it says here in verse 11, Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. And in John's mm -hmm. gospel, this little word for, it's, it grammatically, it's called a preposition. It represents always, in John's gospel, the act of sacrifice. It either refers to the death of Jesus for us, or um, the analogy, the comparison that Jesus uses when he says, when he talks about a man prepared to die for a friend, which he's really talking about himself. 
uh, as his friends that he's going to die for. So the shepherd it sacrifices himself. And, yeah. um, you know, that is part of our submission as a Christian leader. We have been granted the privilege and responsibility of holding authority. People listen to what we have to say. They do what we ask them to do. I mean, sometimes they don't, but very often they do. It's a massive responsibility. Um, and what safeguards it from becoming authoritarian and abusive is the motivation of our heart is to lay down our life for our sheep. And if you're leading a church, you, you know, the people around you should see that in your life, that you're not, you know, in, in the world, people climb the ladder of success to gain position and prominence. But in the church, you, um, the point of exercising a place of authority is to lay your life down. And right. Paul talks about it in terms of the husband and the wife. The husband has authority. He's the head. But his authority is defined by his willingness to lay his life down for his wife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as long as that's in operation, then both parties benefit. You have a fantastic marriage. And same with the church. So that's the job of the shepherds, the leaders of the church. If you can't see a sacrificial spirit, don't appoint someone to any position. Of a, well, I don't care whether it's worship leader, youth leader, um, you know, whatever position it is in the church, home group leader, don't appoint somebody who is not approaching their position from a sacrificial point wow. of view. Don't be blinded by giftedness. No. Right. Giftedness can lead us astray. I mean, far better have somebody that's not less gifting, but mm -hmm. is has a sacrificial heart, um, has the shep true shepherd's heart, than mm -hmm. some diva who's, you know, there's all sorts of people in the world that are gifted, but that right. doesn't qualify you for leadership in the church. I mean, it's fantastic. You want your, you know, I just saw a video this afternoon and something went really wrong in a, in a church service where a lady got up and started singing off key and it was absolutely horrendous. I mean, you know, you, you want a worship leader. You know, you do want somebody who is a, a, a good musician. Yeah, we, love, we love when they are gifted. <laughs> you know, you do want that. But, you know, their level of proficiency, that's not what, you know, it's the, the person's character that you're interested yeah, in. And you'll appoint somebody that isn't as good musically, but they're, they're okay, but they're not as good. But their character is right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been really great talking about Gate Shepherd. I think we talked a lot about the context of ministry and, and church as well. Um, I just wanted to ask for some final thoughts to the listener who isn't leading a church. How would all of this apply? How would, you know, how would they apply it in their everyday lives? Well, I think um, for someone who's not leading a church, this all is exciting. Yes. Because essentially what we're talking about here in terms of um, uh, submitting to being shepherded and yeah. allowing yourself to be pastored, that is like a massive key in the kingdom and to, to entering into what Jesus calls fullness of life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're the not 
not as gifted person, but you have a, a heart to submit um, and come under authority. You, God can take you so far. Right. God opposes the problem, but he gives grace, favor to the humble. Um, and so uh, to David's point, you can only exercise as much authority as you are submitted to. Right. And uh, to, to take that statement another step further in a far less quippy way, because I can't think of a quippy way to say it off the top of my head. But in, in that same principle, um, as, as much authority as you are submitted to is as far as you're going to be able to go. Right. So the more submitted we are, the further God can take us um, in our own journey with him. So awesome. this is exciting stuff. And this, for me personally, like I've had my own journey with this, and we all do. Because our flesh doesn't want to submit. We all want to be independent. Yeah. We all want to do our own thing and be our own boss and call our own shots and, and all of that. Um, and, and I'm certainly not immune to that. But I have found the safety and the joy that comes in with, wow, I genuinely am undercovering. Um, and I may not always align with style, preference, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. All that for me has got to go on the back burner. And to be truly submitted means that I'm listening yeah. um, and obey, and I'm right. obeying um, and I'm supporting as we do that in the kingdom. We're blessed. Yeah. Go ahead, it's David. really, it's really important. And, and it, you know, the, this, the um, desire to be accountable uh, it is, it never, you know, we're all in that boat and Jake yeah. will know that we had to make a call on something a week ago and I texted him and three other respected leaders in the body of Christ and said, I, we're in a predicament. What are we supposed to do? You know, and there's some people around that don't want to be told what to do. Well, sometimes we're desperate for, please, you know, I want godly counsel with many, you know, there's wisdom with many counselors. And so we, we came to a place of peace because we had some counsel given to us and and, and that kind of cleared the confusion and gave me per perspective, like you need perspective. We all need perspective in the body of Christ. Church members, whatever position you've got, you know, whatever you are, all of us need others to speak into our life to have perspective. But in order for that to happen, we have to have the independence and the wrong independence, the rebellious, the pride, all that has to be done away with. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're limited to you know the holy trinity of me myself and i that's not a good place to be so i would encourage people that are listening you know examine your own heart have a submitted heart open your heart to people and you know if you are looking for a church um or if you're trying to assess the spiritual health of a church ask the holy spirit to show you is there a culture here you know, I think it's pretty clear, you know, is this church all about some great performer on the stage that's, and, you know, everybody else is just sitting, taking in, like, you might as well go to a concert or something like that. Or is there a sense of community here? Are there people here that are doing things for each other? Are there people here doing something for the community in which they live? That's a servant heart. So uh, that's, and, and, and you look around and say, hey, this is probably a good church to be in because, because... <laughs> What is what the tone is set by the people in leadership. And uh, if you go into a church and you see ordinary people around you or people who are on the welcome team or people who are on the worship team or people leading a small group, they've got a servant heart. Guess where they got that from? It filtered down. It was set by example. 
But mm. if you if that's lacking and it has a kind of a maybe a corporate or institutional feel and people are just doing a job or something, then that also unfortunately is probably the example that's been set at the top and that's not a church you yeah. want to be part of. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Jake, David, thank you so much for that wonderful discussion. It's fun. Yeah, it was very fruitful. We went from the gate protection for the church, mm-hmm. how it is that we are to shepherd and be shepherded. Yeah. And I think more than um, all of those things, even just the understanding of who Jesus is from straight from his mouth mm-hmm. has been uh, really fruitful in this discussion. So just want to thank everybody who joined us for today's episode. We are always so delighted to have you here with us. Uh, well, we hope you have an awesome week. David, thank you so much once again. Uh, We'll see everybody um, on the next episode. Yeah, see you then. Bye-bye.